Okay, you ready? Yep. Hi everyone, my name is Nina Martinez. I'm the board chair of Latino Civic Alliance and LCA. Um, these calls are done weekly and it was a collaboration with Commission Hispanic Affairs. We wanted to create a platform where the community leaders around the state uh, could share resources and also get more information what the state's doing and share amongst ourselves. Um, we normally have a, uh, an agenda today. We have two guest speakers. We have um, Craig Blackwood with, um, with the state's Division of Occupational Safety and Health uh, speaking, and we also have uh, Diana with Mexican Consulate's Office. That's for the first half of the meeting, which is the first 30 minutes. Then we move to Q&A, regional updates around the state. I uh, wanna let you know that we do have members of the media here. So just wanna notify you of that. Um, and what I'd like to, um, what we'll do is the phones are on mute right now uh, for the presentations and then I will facilitate um, Q&A um, when it's appropriate time. So why don't we get started with uh, first, the uh, Mexican Consul's Office. Diana, welcome. Hello, everyone. Uh, I am Diana Oliveros. I work at the Mexican Consulate. I'm leading the Community Outreach Department. And well, thank you for giving us the time to, to talk about a few topics that might be of your interest. So, uh, well, let, let, let me place the time. time. Okay. Um, so, well, as you know, our offices were close, uh, uh, were close to the public on May, uh, March the 23rd, but work continues from home. Uh, as I mentioned last week, emergencies are being served for those people who, who need passports because it's an emergency. They need to, to show proof of their emergency. And services from the Protection and Legal Affairs Services are also being taken care of. Uh, this means people who are in a very vulnerable situation, uh, people in, in prisons we are still uh, interviewing at the detention center in Tacoma, etc. So if anyone is in need of any of the services, of, of those services, they can call the 206-618-8202. This is our emergency line. It's available every day. And uh, uh, Farid Soberanis, who is the Council for Protection and Legal Affairs, will be uh, is answering those uh, calls. So that's the first uh, thing you need to know about getting in contact with the consulate when there is a, a service that we provide and people need uh, because it's an emergency. Then uh, I'd like to mention that for the days and months and, and uh, to come, we will start resuming our activities depending on how things are looking here in Washington. As you know, the, the stay-at-home order most likely will be extended. Uh, so the way we are operating right now it will continue. And when time comes, we will resume our activities. But it's important to know that we will need to adapt to the new normal. So a lot of things will look different from uh, our processes in documentation services, our community outreach events that uh, relate a lot on person-to-person -person contact, well, all of that will need to change for a while. Uh, and and we, we are working on that. We are creating our uh, guidelines to see and to figure out how it will look in a, in a few weeks uh, from now. Uh, then well, uh, Maria asked me to talk more about the food bank uh, map that we generated. Mm. We know there's a lot of information out there and what we're trying to do is to provide and process information in a way that it adds value to whatever it's out there. So we came up with this idea of creating a map, it's available on Google, that shows by location the food services that are available throughout Washington. Um, so uh, it's intended also to provide a, a tool for organizations and leaders who may come across people in need of nourishment. Uh, and the map is available at our Facebook page. You can uh, have a look at it at the Consulado de, Me Consulado de Mexico. That's our Facebook page. And the map, it's available there. It's Im very important to let you know that if you know of services that are not listed there, please feel free to reach out to me and we can add the, that information to the map. Uh, my email address, it's the Oliveros, like Olive and then R-O-S, I will write it down later on, at S-R-E, dot g-o-b as in book as in book dot mx 
So any additional information that you have that it's not listed on the food bank, it's there. And also it's, I mean, you, you can share it as much as you want. The other thing that Maria asked me to talk about was uh, if we have a protocol for Mexican people infected with coronavirus. Um, as, as uh, ju I mean, if we, if we need to know about someone, they need to tell us because, as you know, nationality is not an information that hospitals or counties are taking. So even though if we keep in contact with uh, health departments, most of the times they are not able to tell us how many Mexican people have sick, uh, uh, sought attention in, in hospitals or uh, information as such. And sometimes they, they care about the privacy of the person. So if someone is in need of uh, uh, the consular services, they need to talk to us. Uh, they can call us to the phone number that I told you. And we have taken uh, two approaches in, in this sense. The first one is that, uh, I mean, for standard cases, the recommendations are uh, regular. Uh, stay at home unless it's a, you have life-threatening symptoms, then seek uh, healthcare. And we have information about how to access healthcare because we know that's something that is sometimes difficult for our community. So if they call us with questions like that, we can help them find uh, a resource or, or, or a place where they can go have a test or get medical care. We also have a Ventanilla de Salud. Uh, and actually, Monday we launched the Facebook webpage. Uh, so we will be uploading this kind of information in that Facebook page. You can find it as Ventanilla de Salud in Seattle. And this, this is a joint partnership with CMAR. Uh, with regards to CMAR, they are actually providing us with two phone numbers where people can also call to receive information about medical care, health care, and access to uh, resources and social services. Uh, that number is 206-764-4700. And also in partnership with El Rey, the radio station, they have another line where people can call and, and ask about whether they need uh, help with uh, food, with rent assistance, and other kind of services beyond health services, which is 206-436-7800. Uh, so that's the approach we have regarding access to health. And we have another approach that I also talked to with, uh, talk about it last week, which is the people deceased by COVID. Uh, the consulate can assist in paperwork needed to ship the remains to Mexico for all cases, not just uh, uh, deaths related to COVID. Uh, and specific cases, we can provide financial assistance. We have, nowadays, we have specific guidelines for handling uh, the remains in case they are going back to Mexico. Uh, people who, are, who were infected with COVID and died, they need a special treatment. So uh, that information we can provide to you as well. And people, it's important that for those cases when people die, that someone from the family contacts the, the, the consulate directly. We cannot take uh, a request for service on behalf of uh, people that are not really close to the people who die, to the person who okay. died. Okay. Uh, then, well, moving on to a couple other announcements that I would like to do. Um, we can also assist people in, uh, who are in cases of domestic violence, either for legal services, economic support in case they need alternative shelter and referrals to counseling services. This is a topic that we, have, we haven't talked a lot about it here, but it's something we know it's been happening, something that concerns us a lot. And people who are in need of this kind of, of orientation or information, they can call the emergency line of the consulate as well. And finally, uh, next week on Monday, we're gonna launch uh, a call for IMEBECAS. IMEBECAS is a program and we have a fund available of now $9,000 that we can distribute among um, high education and adult education organizations. And this money can be used to support students so that they can continue studying. So it means that uh, uh, organizations can apply, obtain part of these resources. It's a matching fund uh, rational. So, um, these funds are, are, are thought so that people, so these organizations can, can support, economically support people who are studying with them. We will launch the, the information on Monday. And right. for now, that's about it. <laughs> All right, Dinah, thank you. There's a lot of wonderful information. Uh, we're open for a few questions. And then if you have additional, we need to move on to our next presenter. Uh, any question? Uh, maybe I take two questions right now. First one. 
is it going to be an application online for this uh, um, grant? Yes. Yes, we will launch the application uh, process. Uh, it's going to be on our Facebook page. It's going to go through email as well. So if anyone is interested in receiving information from the consulate, either about Inavecas or everything else we are communicating about coronavirus, please reach out to me and let me know your email address and we will include you in the mailing list. Excellent. Thank you. Another question? This is Enrique. Uh, quick question for the $9,000 to support students. Is this uh, for college and uh, university or, or high school students? It's uh, college and university as well as uh, adult education. Okay. Uh, so it, this includes GED, uh, job training, uh, our plazas comunitarias as well uh, that provide uh, basic education for people above 15 years. 15 year olds so all those ed education institutions can can apply wonderful thank you thank you um why don't we anyone else that may have some questions um uh, please add send it to us through the chat and again in the notes that we send from this meeting we'll give all the contact information that diana shared all right thank you diana so much i'd like to move on to our next speaker it is um we have invited um the Division of Occupation Safety and Health, State of Washington. And joining us is the Assistant Deputy Director, Craig Blackwood. Craig, are you on? Yes, I am. So, hi, Craig. So what I'd like you to do is just, I know that, and I want to thank Uriadu and Yes for setting, helping us facilitate you joining us. But just to be mindful that right now, as you're walking us through, I think you got the questions that we sent you uh, to share the community. But keep in mind that there's a lot of anxiety of the COVID-19 and the exposure at many of the meat processing plants. So, you know, I just want you to be mindful that we certainly would like to know how walking us through how your division is addressing those kind of cases. Okay? Yep. yep. And we are well aware, aware of that as well. All right. All right, Craig. So the, the floor is yours. If you could speak to maybe, you know, 10 minutes and then we're going to have offer an opportunity for questions. Yeah. So, so, I, so I think what may be easiest, I'll quickly go through the bullets that have been provided. I don't know if everyone's seen those. Yeah, kind of read them all so everybody knows. They're pretty short. I'll do a quick explanation. What the understanding is probably a lot more I could provide. So if you find there's something you want more information, I'd be glad to come back at a later meeting to go more into the depth to any of these. So the, the first bullet is what is OSHA? What is DOSH? Who are we supposed to call? So OSHA is the Federal Occupational Safety and Health Administration. They have jurisdiction over federal employees. Excuse me, Craig. Craig, excuse me. Yes. I don't see the, are you sharing a document? No, I'm actually only calling in. This is something Nina. That is Nina Martinez. I don't, D Maria, do you have that document he's talking about? Well, actually, I actually yeah, I think he's asking about the questions that we posed. So I'm looking for that email. I'll post the questions here. Okay, sorry. Thank you, Craig. Sorry about that. All right, thank you. So, so you want me to, that's why I was going to read the questions because I'm only calling in. So I didn't know who okay. had them. Okay, thank you. So, are you ready for me to continue? Yes, please. Okay. So, so OSHA is the Federal Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Of That law was signed into effect back in 1970 as part of the law of it provided states the opportunity to develop their own safety and health program as long as it was as effective or more effective as the OSHA program. So currently there's 28 states and territories that have their own program. Washington State is one of those. So DOSH, the Division of Occupational Safety and Health, is the state OSHA program. So for employees who work for public employers, private employers, pretty much anything in the state except federal employees, some tribal uh, lands and some stuff on the Columbia River and out on the water. It is us who you would call. So for the concerns about meat plants, about agriculture, about uh, employee safety in a manufacturing plant, or whatever it might be, it is a DOSH is who we call. Uh, and if you do call OSHA, they will simply forward the information to us. We meet with OSHA quarterly, they monitor what we're doing. They don't have jurisdiction other than to monitor our program. 
But if somebody happens to go to OSHA, the information still gets to us, so it's not lost. It's just quicker if they call us directly so we can get a response going that much sooner. So the, the next bullet says what defines a safety violation? Who does one call? Where there's a safety violation? Is the 800 number you provided the last time that one I presented? So as far as what defines a safety violation, that's one of those things that could take a long time. I think the message there is a safety violation is really for us to come out and assess and determine if there's a violation or not. The message we like to have to employees is that there's concern about any state and health issues. They don't need to determine if it's a violation or not. Just please contact us and we will do the risk. So if you feel at risk, you feel there's a, a challenge to safety and health, the employees can call us directly. They can, family members can call us. So medical professionals, pretty much anybody can, can give us a call. So there's a couple ways to call. There's, we have local offices that uh, when they're open, you can call, call there. If you call now, you'll get routed to one of our staff. What we're really trying to get out, and it sounds like it was shared before, is our 800 number. That's 1-800, the number four. The letter is B, then the letter is SAFE, 1-800-4B-SAFE, which is actually 1-800-423-7233. And that number is used for employers to report hospitalizations, fatalities, for anybody else in the public to report workplace hazards. Our two main operators of that line are bilingual, they speak Spanish. So in the, when we're in the office, you get a live person when you call that because if those two aren't available, it goes to one of our backups. The backups are not the Spanish speaking. Currently in the work at home environment, you don't get a live person when you call that. Uh, you leave a message and they will get back to you very quickly. I've checked it a few times now and it's working well. And we've got some feedback from customers that they were surprised how quickly uh, their call was returned. So if the 1-800 number is the, is the way to go, uh, the next bullet, what does the investigation process look like from a complaint call to an investigation? Uh, simply when we get a, a call, the nature of the hazards are, are assessed. If it's a serious hazard, we will try and get out there to, as soon as we can. If it's something that doesn't have a major impact on employee safety and health, that, that doesn't get prioritized as high. So when the complaint or any other contact comes into the department, uh, we have regional supervisors to make assignments to their staff who are in that geographical area, and then the staff will go out and, uh, and respond. Which leads to the next question, what does enforcement look like? Again, that's a big question, but the quick answer is uh, once our compliance staff are on site, uh, they will assess the hazards brought to our attention as well as others they encounter in the if they determine there is a safety violation, then the citation will be issued. And uh, if there are serious violations, and that's just one for, by definition, there's a high likelihood of an employee either being hospitalized or being killed by that violation. Those are serious. And, uh, those have penalties. There's other violations that have no penalty. There's certain types of hazards that uh, if we go on site, we won't leave unless they are corrected. And if an employer doesn't correct it, uh, we will stop that part of the operation. So the common one, the agriculture on the on the brain is if a tractor is in operation without rollover protection, that is a, an imminent danger and we're gonna make sure that gets fixed so the employee isn't at risk before we leave. Other violations, we allow a time period to come into compliance because it takes a, a little while. Yes, part of enforcement, very key to any enforcement action is talking with employees. Our enforcement actions are unannounced. Uh, that's one of those rumors that uh, we keep trying to quell because we always get feedback that uh, employees do file complaints. The employer knew when we were coming. So again, we don't uh, provide advance notice. It's against the, against the law. We have no incentive to do that at all. What does happen is we have a consultation arm that is an employer service branch where employers call them for help on safety and health issues. 
where they want to be proactive. And so that's an employer invites consultation in. Sometimes we think there's a bit of a confusion when the consultation person shows up to talk staking health. Yes, the employer knows they're coming because they invited them, but we respond to complaints. Uh, we do not give advance notice. But again, key is talking with employees. Uh, they're the ones who knows what who knows what is happening each day. We are at a work site for a very short snippet of time, so we really rely on employees to give us the information. And we also share with each employee we talk to, as well as the employer, that state law prohibits discrimination against any employee for filing a state health complaint, talking to us, or doing anything else as safety and health related. So even though we get that information out, we know sometimes uh, things happen that uh, aren't good, and we have a discrimination section that if there is retaliation taken against an employee for filing a complaint or talking with an inspector doing, during an inspection, we will uh, investigate and take action. And that discrimination doesn't have to be as serious as termination. It can be much more subtle where an employer changes work schedules, makes a situation more difficult for an employee. So the key for discrimination, if an employee thinks they've been discriminated against for participating in a safety and health uh, issue or filing complaints, they have 30 days to contact us and that 30 days is written into law as well. So that's very important. It isn't a lot of time. So from the date of an action an employer takes, there's 30 days. And if you want to know more about discrimination for safety and health, that's one of those things we can come back and talk about further. And then the last bullet, uh, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Okay. So, so the last bullet, what happens if someone doesn't follow guidelines? Are they enforceable? Doesn't there need to be an emergency rule process? So once the COVID started coming up, we were anticipating having a lot of information out. So initially we started with guidelines. There, so a lot of our initial communication were called guidelines. Uh, partway into it, we really turned more towards, you know, some of these orders are actually enforceable. So what the guidelines show now, will show you what uh, what is enforceable and then how an employer may work to actually comply. Uh, so guidelines themselves are not enforceable, but the, they do pull out what is enforceable to show an employer what those are and how they might comply. And uh, some of the rules we use are fairly broad, quite quite honestly, because again, this is a new situation. We don't have any any specific rules. And uh, so the last question: Does there need to be an emergency rule process? Uh, so I can't, uh, so my position really give you <laughs> give you a yes or no on that question, but I can say when there is a specific rule, it makes it much clearer for everybody what an employer needs to do, rather than the a more generic rule that says you just have to provide a safe workplace, which gives no guidance. So rules do really give some specific information that is sure. very helpful to creating a safe workplace. So that was my quick run through of the bullets. Okay. Thank stop. you. So Craig, um, before I open up for questions, can you please classify what COVID-19, what, what does it fall under? Um, are we, is it under serious? What are the three categories you have again, and where does COVID-19 fall? So there's so there's two main categories. There's more than that, but the so the two main ones are general, where there's no real impact on safety and health. Uh, the other is serious, where there's a direct impact, and almost all COVID is going to fall into yeah, it's very serious. COVID could cross the line depending on the situation and to what we call the imminent danger where if certain things aren't in place, we will stop it immediately because it's a, it's just a high likelihood of you know, a health issue for employees. Okay. Okay. So I'm not still clear about where COVID would fall right now. And I know because it's new and if like we've had some exposure and some people have been sick. And died, so is OSHA, are, is DOS shutting down these plants, these meat processing plants? someone you know, no. okay so can you explain to us why i guess yeah, so so to be real yeah so to be real clear our authority to shut down an employer 
is not uh, doesn't apply to the full employer. We have the authority to shut down parts of an operation that aren't being done safely. Uh, with COVID, it prevents it's a little bit different because it could be the whole plan. And so, and I know Tyson was one that people had on their mind. And, and so, you know, with COVID, it's really, you know, the workplace safety and health issues is a part of it, but it's really a public health issue because it's not just the workplaces, it's in everything we do in our activities. And so, you know, we rely on the health departments and working a lot with them who have the authority over public health. And so, for instance, in the Tyson case, they shut down voluntarily, so nobody had to go to that uh, that extreme. And we do have an inspection open ourselves there, working with the health department. And at the time we opened, uh, they chose to shut down fairly soon after that. And so we had no reason to look at the the option of shutting shutting the plant down if that uh, was something we would have considered. So. <laughs> All right, let me go ahead and open up for a few questions. Um, maybe we'll ask four questions to be mindful of time. Anyone want to ask a question? You need to unmute your line, please. Hi, I have a question. Uh, this is Erica. Um, I had sent it in, but I'll go ahead and ask. Um, I think there might be a little confusion on employees on if they call L&I for an issue or if they call DOSH or OSHA for an issue. What's the difference between either one? So uh, labor and industries, the state agency with 3,000 employees and multiple divisions. DOSH is one of eight major divisions. So we are part of L&I. We have about 400 employees in our Division of Occupational Safety and Health. So for safety and health, the workplace issues, DOSH is who you'd like to have people call. If it's a workers' comp issue, that would be our workers' comp section. If there's a wage and hour issue or a break issue, we have, you know, that's a separate division. So the real story is if you connect with L&I for any issue that we have jurisdiction over, we will get you to the right place. But uh, if you don't call DOSH first, you may just have them call L&I like an 800 information number, they will get the information to us. But so the short story is DOSH is part of labor and industries. Okay. Thank you. Maria, did you want to read that question? It's from Sydney. Uh, yes. So Daniel, please. Mm, I think that's not the question. Did you put a, oh, there it is. I have a question regarding my family member who is undocumented, who has contracted the coronavirus from someone else at work. He works in central Washington at a fruit packing shed and is at home in isolation. He is not receiving any compensation from his employer. I want clarification on the current Washington state and federal laws that address compensation for those who have contracted the virus from their workplace. Who qualifies for those two weeks of sick time? They have accrued paid paid sick time, but the employer isn't paying them anything. Is, isn't the employer required to provide compensation? If so, what can I do to make sure he gets paid during isolation? And I'd like to make a point here that um, we have some questions regarding safety of family that I know media is on the line that we need mindful not to be um, um, quoting them. Get their permission first, please. All right. Thanks, Greg. Can you answer? So actually, I cannot. That is goes beyond the kind of safety and health. That would be one of the areas on the line that we'd have to have someone else come and answer because, again, a family member and compensation and leave accrual, that is a, something I can't answer. I do want to say one thing as far as safety and health, that we apply the safety and health rules. Uh, once you're hired as an employee in this state, whether you're documented, undocumented, it does not matter to us. We enforce our safety rules the same. So that's the only thing I can really say on, on that question. So we don't, we're blind to, to that issue. Everyone's entitled to a safe and health workplace once they are hired. But yeah, the rest of that, I, I cannot answer. Okay, another question, please. Uh, Diane, do you see anything, uh, Maria? Is there any other questions here? Um, thanks, Lex. Um, I'd like to open 
more a few more questions. Anyone else? Hey, Nina, this is Pedro. Hi. Uh, yeah, I have a question. So I know that there's protocols, safety protocols that are going on job sites right now, and there's guidelines that have followed. Uh, our concerns are that there's going to be some sh uh, job sites in the construction industry that might not be following those guidelines. And the question is, what will happen if a worker on those sites that report a work safety issue by not, you know, not wearing proper PPE on the job site, which includes masks, uh, face shields, and, and uh, gloves, will there be a method for the worker to feel protected because uh, some employers might take a retaliation on letting those employees go? I know that it's been all over, you know, spreading out that Amazon did fire all those folks that reported issues at their warehouses that they won't fall in safety protocols and put in danger of the workers. So is there going to be a safety measure where these workers can feel safe to actually, you know, make those complaints? Because this is what we're going to be facing coming in the next couple of weeks. Yep. And so I think you might be talking about the recent uh, release back to construction for low risk in the 30 points yes. that need to be complied with. So we are already very busy. So the first answer is that we're getting complaints and referrals as throughout the state and we are responding and showing up on site and uh, ensuring those. So 28 of the 30 points are actually enforced by the Division of Occupational Safety and Health. Two of the 28 of uh, the quarantine before someone comes from a non-contiguous state and, a, and the visitor log, those two aren't enforced by us. But everything else is in our guidance to staff is uh, we get a complaint, we go on site. Uh, employers need to comply with those orders before we leave or we're gonna stop that, uh, that job. So that's one case where we, we will stop it because there was an agreement between business and labor this how we're gonna do it. As far as the termination, that goes back to the discrimination protection. That's not supposed to happen, it's against the law. So that being said, we know it, it does happen. We do our best to inform everybody about their rights. And if somebody is terminated, uh, they can get a hold of, of us or you can call the 1-800 line, I think number so one of the numbers on there is actually to talk to discrimination. We have that on our 1-800 line as well. And uh, yeah, they can contact us and we can follow up. So in a difference real quick between safety and health and discrimination, safety and health complaints can be filed anonymous, anonymously or by anybody, it doesn't really matter. A discrimination complaint, actually you, we do need the name of the employee because the discrimination investigators need to go back and work with that employee and see if they were truly uh, discriminated against and then what rights they may have. And so sometimes there's confusion about that uh, out in the public that uh, you can't file complaints anonymously, safe and healthy, yes, discrimination, and a similar wage complaint. We'll need to know the name of those people so we're able to work with them and review their specific case. Okay. Okay. Um, Craig, I think in response to time, respect to time, I'm going to I think just just to recap real quickly, what for your division? I'm a worker. I'm in a. I'm working in a plant. Um, I feel sick. I tell my employer, I'm not feeling well. I need to go home. And I mean, I'm trying to understand what your division role is. Can would I be able to call the 800 number you're saying and say that my boss is not letting me? get off from work saying I need to finish my shift. Is that a violation? So that is a violation of the, the governor's order. Yes, so within our, our guidance talks about the, your plan needs to include letting sick workers go home. And so if we got a complaint, uh, we would follow up uh, on that. And if we determined it was tr truly happening, because some complaints are true, some, some aren't, they're all allegations. Yeah, there could, could be a violation issued for sure and we are getting those um, complaints already one of our challenges we get so many of them that we can't send inspectors to everyone and so we do sometimes send a letter or an email to an employer on some of the lower priority complaints just to get uh, something done because we don't want stuff going unprotected while we're trying to get somebody out there it's more important to get people protected right away in some situations that we can't get out there Okay, so so last is uh, I call today. What's a turnaround for the state to respond? 
if I call, I guess, so I guess, you know, what is the turnaround time for your division? Yeah, so it's very dependent on where you're at and what the issue is and kind of what's already being responded to. So if you happen to look at our compliance process, which is a public document, a serious complaint, we have 15 working days to respond. That is typically way too long. So we try and get to these as soon as possible if we, we prioritize them to want to get out there. So it could be for the next day or, or the same week. The only thing that we have given guidance on specifically so far is in agriculture for complaints, referrals that deal with sanitation. We want uh, somebody out there within 24 hours. That sanitation agriculture has always been an issue, very important. Mm -hmm. Now it's even more important. And so, you know, things change and we want to get somebody out there to be sure workers are protected. I have a question if I could ask. Okay, one more question, Hossein, yes, please. Uh, so, you know, we, we're working directly with um, community organizers and navigators that will, that, that will go directly into the migrant camps. And, um, you know, we're, we're afraid that we're going to have a disaster in our hands. And this is not just Cali Valley, but throughout the state, um, you mentioned that you have uh, just a handful of uh, inspectors um, for agricultural. How many inspectors do we have, and what would be the turnaround? You know, when we see situations that uh, people might be in danger. So, if I said we have a handful of inspectors, I'm sorry because that's not true. Uh, we have 400 staff in the state, and about 150 or so our inspectors, both safety and industrial hygiene, who are actually one of the, if not the most, uh, have the most compliance officers per capita and employee in, in the country, we're number two. So we, we have a number of uh, compliance officers. And so of those, you know, we, we do have some, I don't have a number off the top of my head, who are trained really deep in agriculture and we rely on them a lot. However, we have a number, pretty much any inspector could go to agriculture for a hand to, you know, for sanitation. Mm -hmm. some, some of the more detailed stuff on operations of dairies or yeah. things like that, we might need someone more trained. So we have plenty of people. So when, that's, uh, okay, so when you said there's a, you know, a turnaround of uh, up to uh, maybe 14 days, 15 days, I think you said. Is there a priority then on depending on emergencies? Um, a lot of things that we'll probably deal with are going to be emergencies and we can't wait um, maybe a day or two. We can't wait a week or two. I mean, we're dealing with, you know, very serious situations, especially now. And uh, those are prioritized. And some of the COVID ones we have gone out on, we're getting out pretty quick. And we're with everybody else on the temporary worker housing. We don't uh, want a disaster. We've already had you know, enough stuff happening of, of concern. And so we're working closely with health departments, both locally and at the state level. And uh, yes, we will, we will prioritize those. Okay, thank you. Thank you, um, Craig. I'd love to go ahead and um, move forward. Uh, Craig, can you just say the 800 number one more time, please, for all our listeners and viewers? Yep, I'll give you both the alphabet and the number. 1-800-4-B-SAFE or 1-800-423-7233. All right. Thank you, Craig. And we'll add those to the notes. All right. Thank you. I'd like have 20 minutes left. And I know that Wasson gives updates here. But what I'd like to do is um, um, get some regional updates. Wasson, do you... Monser, are you on the line? Maybe two minutes, please, so that I can move for a regional. Yeah, no, no, go for it. Uh, actually, we don't have no major updates other than we reached one million for the fundraising goal, and uh, families in Whatcom, uh, Skagit, and in Snohomish County are listening. Uh, we'll be hearing from us regarding distribution of funds, and we'll be focusing on Central and Eastern Washington uh, in the next okay. couple of weeks. But yeah, excellent. Thank you. All right. So why don't I normally go to the rural areas? But last week we had. Uh, an important update from King County that wasn't able to be heard. So do we have, and then we could start with King County, then I'll move on to Yakima and the other counties in Eastern Washington. Um, do we have Jennifer Molina, I believe? 
if you want to give us a quick update. Jennifer Molina. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, um, everyone. Um, my name is Jennifer Molina, and I work at the City of Seattle Office of Labor Standards. Um, I just wanted to go ahead and um, introduce myself and uh, let you guys know that at the City of Seattle right now, we are uh, currently working, or the Office of Labor Standards, we are currently working on a few projects to support domestic workers um, in the Seattle area, specifically uh, undocumented domestic workers. Uh, so I'm happy to come back sometime next week and provide, with the, uh, provide you guys with a final update. In the meantime, um, I can drop my contact information in the chat box. Um, you know, for those of you who are calling in, I can be reached at 206 678 7821-206-678-7821. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. All right, let's move to our role. Let's move to Yakima. Any updates, leaders, that want to share? Good afternoon. Hi. This is Christina Ortega from Latino Community Fund. Okay. I just wanted to um, say that we are here at LCF organizing an appreciation caravan to take place tomorrow. Okay. Um, we have more information if you guys need information. Um, we're also supporting Radio Cadena's online um, caravan tomorrow. Um, I believe Dulce has more information on that, but LCF definitely supports them and we're promoting that as well, as well as in efforts with Wizen on their undocumented hotline. Um, and so, yeah, if anybody okay. wants more information on what those programs are about, um, they can contact either myself, Dulce Gutierrez, and Monte for the Wise and Hotline as well. Okay, Christina, what's your phone number or what number do you want us to reach at? You can contact me at 509-759-6710 or okay. by email at Christina, C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A at latinocommunityfund.org. Thank you. Dulce? Hi, yeah. Um, so uh, the May 1st Coalition is having a three-hour program on radio uh, KDNA, um, and that reaches across all, most of central Washington. Um, it'll That's 91.9 FM, um, and that's going to essentially be the, the list of keynote speakers that would have originally been part of the May 1st March that was going to happen originally. Um, and a lot of us are essentially trying to promote that program um, and also the, we're also supporting the state labor council supporting the organizations that are doing other efforts on may 1st tomorrow um, latino community fund with their caravan um, as well as the um, online digital campaign as well um, i want to again re-emphasize that we want folks to um, uh, report any labor concerns um, to LNI and if they want any other resources about labor rights or labor organizations um, or Latino advocacy orgs, please call the WISEN hotline as well, 1-844-728-3737. And lastly, I also want to encourage folks um, to spread the word that we are collecting masks for uh, farm workers across Yakima County um, in collaboration with the Yakima Immigrant Response Network um, and One America and the Yakima Central Labor Council, the State Labor Council, we're um, essentially distributing masks um, in the fields, um, literally, you know, taking people masks where they're at on their lunch hour, their break hour, um, or the warehouses and meeting people in the parking lots because that's where people are eating right now. Uh, and so um, if, if there's anybody who's interested in trying to get a system set up uh, with your local co um, coalition groups, let me know. Uh, my number is 509-833-3096. We're really trying to step up in places where we know the government can't or won't. Um, and, and there's a plenty of people who feel compelled to donate their time and their material to, to just make masks and give them out for free. Um, and that's one of the easiest things that we can do to directly help people protect themselves while we know that they cannot stop going to work due to mostly uh, immigration statuses um, and um, family needs. And so just uh, okay. wanted to put that out there. Please donate masks if you can to 507 South 3rd Street, 
Yakima, Washington, 98901. Drop-off hours are from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. We've been doing this for- uh, That's awesome. There's an organization collecting uh, masks for uh, farmers. Okay. Yep. Because farmers are still, you know, like collecting the food and everything. So like there's a group, like an organization collecting like PPE for them. I don't know yeah. who's talking. So if you could, okay, so thank Jennifer you. Jennifer is not on mute. Yeah, Dulce. Dulce, did you finish? I apologize. Did you? Um, no, I appreciate that uh, uh, that extra comment. That, that was pretty much it. Just wanted to get people to know that we have the drop-off hours um, every okay. single day. Okay. And uh, this is, L you know, the, for LCA, we are really pushing for people to call the LNI number and what we can do. We have a phone number, which I can't remember that, but it's so important for everyone. Call LNI, report anything, you know, any any safety issues, just keep doing that. Um, I have I have the LNI numbers, I'll type them into the chat box for folks. Thank you, thank you. All right, let's move on. Any others in uh, Yakima here before we move up to uh, Benton County? Yes, this is Erica from the Yakima Health District. Okay, hi Erica. Hello, just wanted to give you guys an update kind of on topic of earlier uh, with a speaker. At the Yakima Health District, we are working on guidance and working directly with a meat uh, processing plant, um, uh, Washington Beef, located in Toppenish. And so we just wanted to share great success working with that, and we're going to continue that effort uh, with other uh, warehouses and um, for um, continued employee safety. So if anyone is uh, in Yakima County, uh, would like to learn more about our educational efforts, um, you can also call us at 249-6508 or for flyers um, in uh, Spanish, you can also find us at yakimajuntos.org. Thank you. All right, let's move up to the map here to uh, Benton County, Franklin Pasco area. Anybody want to report anything there? Okay, anybody, let's move on to Grant County, Wenatchee, that area. Hi, this is Karina Vega Villa in Wenatchee. If there's anybody else from Wenatchee who would like to jump in. Uh, we um, had a, an op-ed last week and we have collected $7,000 so far. Uh, we have supported uh, more than 25 families today. And uh, we are doing it by distributing either cash or groceries, whatever the families need. Um, we don't have an application online because we are mindful of the um, of, of keeping the identity of our community members safe. So, so far we're just doing it by uh, word of mouth and uh, whoever needs help, uh, they, they, they can tell us if uh, they, would prefer to get the cash or to get the groceries delivered. Okay. Okay, thank you, Karina. Yes, Wenatchee area? This is Gustavo Montoya here in the Wenatchee area as well. With Hi, Gustavo. Hi there. Um, I just wanted to add to Karina that uh, our valley, our future has been very good in with Steve Maher and Teresa Bendito to try to centralize information and deliver it through social media and many other partners. Uh, in English and Spanish. So that has been a good thing. Um, I still hear concerns of small farmers uh, who I am concerned about that may not have very specific guidelines as Asha was pointing out in context of coronavirus. You know, like living quarters for people that are arriving, migrant workers, uh, who are gonna be very, very in, in high density on very small areas. And then also the guidelines in the actual work on the orchards. I think that to enforce something has to be very detailed uh, of how uh, an employer has to proceed and small farmers that could be also Latino owners may not even have that information. So I think it's very important to think about those and I don't okay. know who to reach out. And so if anybody is working in a different county here through this call uh, to bring that up to, uh, to the concern of everybody. Yeah, Gustavo, I can help you with that. Thank maybe, you. Maybe make some calls and help you with that. Great. That's a great, great point. Thank you. Anyone else from Grant out in that area? Wenatchee, Moses Lake, Quincy. Good evening, this is Mary Joey Barra. Can you hear me? 
Yes, Mary Jo, welcome. Um, um, bienvenidos to everybody. So I just wanted to say that I think Karen Quincy, we found out yesterday from our CEO from Moses Lake Community Health Center that my workmate Priscilla and I are the only persons doing outreach in person with farm workers in our county. Uh, really, that's a heavy load for us to carry, but you know, I think it just says that um, we have lots of people talking about doing outreach, but they're doing outreach at home on their phone, and that's not really what we need. Um, and what we're finding again from farm workers that they're continuing to tell us they do not have not being afforded masks. They do not have the cleaning products they need to take care of their, their, their either the bathrooms where they're working at. Um, we have found uh, several um, of the communities, uh, farm worker housing, where there are some positive cases. People are not talking about them, not making it public. Um, and so I, I hope, um, you know, I, I, I hope we get this kind of under control because we are expecting in this next couple of weeks, the new group of H2A workers coming in. So um, we're just kind of working on doing outreach as much as possible and, and getting um, information out to people. We do have information that we've created. So if anybody would like to see what we have, we would be willing to share out. Um, and I also have some information about where to get masks. Um, and I will share that out. Um, on the chat box if you guys would like that and yes please i also did hear and i don't know if it came up or not but um the washington potato commission is also sharing and giving out free potatoes in and they're coming to ritzville they're coming to moses lake at the fairgrounds and i forget the other location because their um their their processing plants have shut down so they have an over they have an overabundance of potatoes so, so they need to give them out so i will also put, put that information in the chat box Thank you, Mary Jo. Mary Jo, I, this is Nina. I sent you a message, an uh, email, so I'd like to talk to you. Um, I'll send that to again. I'll, I'll try to connect with you. Sounds good. Mary Jo, Mary Jo, I also sent you a message. I'd love to connect with you too. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, everyone, let's move on to uh, anyone else from Grant County. Let's move on to then uh, Skagit, Whatcom County. Hello. Yes, Jose. Nina? Yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're working here with the food bank trying to feed all the families that are coming through. Uh, we're also collecting masks, so if anybody knows some resources, uh, we're passing them right directly to the farm workers and anybody that's coming to the food bank. Uh, our, uh, we're, we went from 200 families to now 730 families, so... Uh, no food's coming in, but we're, we need the donations to continue to do our work. I'm sure we're going to hit a thousand families, um, you know, really soon. A lot of the farm workers, have, they haven't arrived. And uh, so we're very concerned uh, when they do come, not just about the, the food, but their health. Uh, I'm going to start getting a group together to, uh, to work together on, uh, on, on, on what's coming. I was also able to uh, get some funding to hire another person to help us do some outreach and education uh, directly to the farm worker community. And uh, I just want to thank all of you for doing all the work that you guys are doing. Well, thank you to Catholic Charities for doing the work. Thank you, Jose. Anyone else from Skagit, welcome. All right, let's move on to Vancouver, Washington area. Hi, this is Ed Hamilton Rosales from Washington Lulac in Vancouver. Hi, Ed. Uh, hi, how are you guys? So, activities. We're uh, working in a coalition with um, several different uh, Latino organizations trying to get funding available for people in need that are undocumented and, of course, don't have access to any of the additional funding that's available. So far, we've raised uh, about $300,000 and provided relief for 163 families uh, in our area, so the Southwest Washington area. And we're excited to continue on that process and get more, we're getting more applications in on a, on a weekly basis, so we should have some more of those out, uh, hopefully by the end of next week. Okay. Uh, we're working with uh, some local associations to put out live webinars on in Spanish, uh, for mental health help uh, within our community. So those are going on on Tuesday evening on Facebook Live. Uh, we have a, a Spanish-speaking dreamer who is a, a mental health 
provider that is has partnered up with us to provide these free classes. Uh, we're really excited about that, and we've had some great feedback from our very first one that we did this past Tuesday. Okay. Um, we're working with we're currently working with the police departments to figure out what the heck's going on around here, um, and then we're we're I am personally along with uh, our council trying to get more information from foster farms north of us in Kelso to determine what's going on with our employees there uh, and get some truths and some, some challenges if necessary. I, I reached out to their California, Livingston, California offices today. So we were having okay. some conversations as well as the Cal County Health Department. Thank you, Ed. Thank you. Anyone else from Vancouver or that surrounding area? All right, let's move now. I'm looking at a map. Let's move towards Tacoma, Pierce County. All right, then we will stop in the King County, Snohomish area. Any, any uh, folks in King County, Snohomish? Jimmy, I see that Miramont, I see you on the line here. You wanna say anything about small businesses? Jimmy? <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I just uh, want to say, uh, you know, as you all heard, the uh, construction of the uh, uh, construction economy is opening up on Monday. And it's hell. I mean, uh, <clears throat> that's what I do for a living. I have a construction company. Uh, the amount of money that needs to be spent, and you can't find permit, uh, thermometers right now. And that's, uh, Jimmy, we're having trouble hearing you. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. So uh, everybody knows the market's opening up on Monday. I have a construction company and it's been just hell trying to find what uh, what's needed to get set up uh, <laughs> um, we have uh, uh, thermometers you can't find thermometers right now masks you can't find masks right now um, <clears throat> right now I'm buying by bulk I have to order 2,000 masks because they're not bringing them in small uh, amounts so just to get going in the construction market again it's gonna be just tough uh, there's not very much information in Spanish and so uh, definitely uh, gonna be challenging and, and just to make sure that everybody's following directions thank you thank you thank you Jimmy um, Anina this is Diana I just wanted to share an update um, from Washington Lulac so um, the whole issue of the meat uh, or it just agricultural sites is a critical one for us and and so um, we're hoping on May 4th to have a congressional hearing to address this national issue with Joaquin Castro um, from the Congressional Hispanic Caucus and, and a couple of folks from the chairman of the Committee on Homeland Security and the Subcommittee on Immigration Citizenship and um, the Subcommittee on General Farm Commodities. So everything that's happening here in Washington State the lawsuit, um, the information that we're hearing, the infections, all that uh, we hope to share and elevate up front. I know that um, OSHA is there and relies on DOSHA to do that, but that does not keep us from continuing to issue uh, complaints on behalf of the family and the workers. So I encourage you to call and file those complaints. The more pressure we put on them, the better um, they'll work harder for us. So uh, the other thing is we did issue a letter to the Attorney General's office on the uh, Title VI of the Civil Rights Act for making sure that translations are done quickly, um, rapidly, because it has been dangerously too slow, as you all know. And um, in response to that, I hope uh, next week, right, Nina, we'll have Rochelle Davis uh, policy advisor from the governor talked to us about their new language access plan. And um, this is to help uh, meet some of those needs. So I'm looking forward to having her talk to all of us next week on that. And so those are two, some of the main things and also continuing to step in where our federal and state government has failed our community. We're all working together to step in and fill in those gaps as you hear from the great information shared by those out there. So thank, thank you, you very much, and that's all. Yeah, the, what Diana said, Lithium Civic Alliance, I signed that letter, Lulek and I, we sent this letter and we got a response pretty quick. And so now we just, you know, I'm stressing about the lack of um, translation Spanish. So we definitely push some, push through some barriers there. And if anyone's interested to be on that call next week, uh, message, me or or diana and we'll include you in that call all 
All right, anyone else here in Snohomish County? All right, everyone. We did amazingly well today on time. And I just wanna say before we close that, um, we are always, the steering committee that puts these calls together meets and thinks about topics that we should uh, present to all of you. So if you have any ideas, reach out to me or, or reach out to Maria Wichaw. Uh, Maria, you wanna say anything before I close? And then I, um, is there anything you wanna share, Maria? Just to thank you as always for always participating. Um, I'll go ahead and put in uh, Shaw's uh, email here to uh, let us know what topics you want to, what information you want to hear and need to hear. Okay. So just last, I just, again, I just want us to, we're all doing amazing work. I know working very hard. If there's any opportunities that we can collaborate, I encourage everyone to do so. Uh, make new friends when you can. If you have any enemies out there, make those friends, make them friends again. <laughs> Teasing, but really seriously, everyone is working so hard. And I, I, I know that there's some nights that all of you probably don't sleep very well because you're such strong advocates. So, you know, please rely on each other. And if there's anything that I can do to help LCA, you know, definitely reach out to us. So, so we'll see you again next Thursday at 12 p.m. And I think Maria will facilitate that call. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Mario, are you still on? No, okay.